So I want to take a moment now to thank the Digital Hub because they are the main sponsors for this season of InspireFest, the podcast. The Digital Hub is in the Liberties in the heart of Dublin City. It's a collaborative space and it's home to lots of technology and digital media companies. But it's more than just an office. My name is Sinead Dalton. I'm founder of Mashup Media. We are a digital content agency and we specialise in video content. It's a really supportive environment, a really creative environment, and it's really suited us and contributed to the growth of our company over the last five years. You can find out more about Sinead and lots of other innovators at thedigitalhub.com. Now, back to the show. Hi everyone and welcome to InspireFest the podcast. This is episode eight and we're going to talk about a subject that's really close to my own heart. That's science communication and we get to meet two people that I've known for quite a while now, Dr. Neve Shaw and Dr. Jessamine Fairfield. Neve was an engineer and a scientist and she is also a performer and she has a lot of interest in improv, you know, improvisation and using that to help scientists communicate their research. And she has also done some amazing performances about her own interests in wanting to go to space and to know more about space exploration and space science. And Jessamine is a physicist who also has an interest in comedy improv and she runs a thing called Bright club where academics and researchers they talk about their research in a in a way to make people laugh basically they make a comedy routine out of it it was a lot of fun to to hang out with neve and jessamine at inspirefest so this is what happened So first of all, um, tell us your name and what you do. My name is Neve Shaw. Um, I wear many hats, but I guess if you were to put it in a nutshell, I'm an engineer and performer and communicator and passionate about all things space. And tell us about your previous work and education in science, Neve. So I started out uh, with a degree in engineering in biosystems engineering at UCD. And then I did a master's in that same field. And then I went from there across to the science in the ag block and I did a PhD in food science because it was related to my uh, degree in engineering. And then I went down to University College Cork and I did a postdoc in the food science and technology department. So then I kind of went on a bit of a, a, a journey. So the whole time I was doing my engineering degree and my master's, I was obsessed with acting. And, and you know, because of my family, we were as creative as we were technical. So those two things were always ever present in me. And um, after I um, did my PhD, I did a postdoc for two years and it really just didn't fit. It was the environment, I think, um, just I, I realized I kind of made a mistake. It wasn't really right for me. So um, I was either going to uh, um, emigrate to New Zealand to take up this job in fish research or just step away from the whole thing. And, uh, and try for the first time ever to allow myself to see what would happen if I became a full-time actor. And that's what I did. And how did you move then from being an actor, kind of bringing science into theatre? So what happened then was, um, I think by stepping away from science, 
I sort of developed a new relationship with it and I kind of fell in love with it again. There clearly was something in food science that wasn't really kind of hitting it for me. But when I stepped back and I looked at physics and I looked at, you know, the stuff going on in CERN and particle physics, I was like, oh, this is beautiful stuff. And then also being in a room with artists that would ask you questions about like, why is the sky blue? Why are there tides? And you'd go away and you try to figure it out. And I realized that I really liked um, kind of translating dense scientific language into kind of stories and it became clear to me like oh I actually do still love science I just didn't really like the type of science that I was doing or or the way it was but I still wanted to keep science in my life and then that was sort of around 2007 and then I kind of realized I actually have to keep both going uh, in order for me to be satisfied so that's what I did. And what happens when you take science Mm -hmm. and art and creativity and mash them all together? It's brilliant. The first time you do it, you're terrified because you have this perception about failure. So you you keep thinking that before you even start to write, you have to have the answer. But actually, the creative process is the exact opposite. The whole purpose of writing is that you shouldn't have an answer because if you have an answer, there's no point doing it. So I had to get my head around that. And by working with other people who were devising shows, I let that go. So by the time I went to make my first show, Combining Science and Theatre, I trusted that process. And I sort of went, so this is like, this is almost like I'm in the experiment and then the finished play is the, is the finished result. So you don't conduct the experiment if you already know the result. So the writing process is the experiment. So that's how I saw it. And I also discovered that where I was used to, like I thought the show would be enough just having loads of amazing science facts. But the people that I was working with kind of go, no, 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 you have to put something of yourself in that. And that was terrifying. And I was there going, no, but the science will be enough. And they're going, no, you'll bore them to tears. You have to put yourself in it. And then I realised that I had to kind of speak about my own personal relationship with this science in order for it to become a theatre show. That was terrifying. It was August 2011, and I was making my first show combining science with theatre. And I think I was just, I was, I was missing something. I was, I was looking for something. Because I had this background in engineering and science, two degrees in engineering and a PhD in science. And in 2003, I stepped away from that and pursued a career in the performing arts, thinking that that was it. But something was still, something was still not right. And I was using particle physics as a way to try and figure out what that was, as you do in life. And uh, I started looking at all of the decisions that I'd made in my life. And in the show, I made a video of them as if they were still existing. The girl who stayed on in full-time research in academia. The girl who stayed in her first job as an engineer working for the London Underground. The girl who emigrated to New Zealand and took that job in fish gut research. (laughs) Thank God I turned that one down. The girl who wanted to be a ballerina. The girl who wanted to be a Muppet. Yes, I made that one. The girl who wanted to be an astronaut. I have wanted to be an astronaut since the age of eight, and I've always known. I knew at eight, I knew at 18, I knew at 28, I knew at 38. And yet, I had done nothing about it. And what do you think it is about theatre and that process that makes it sort of easier for people to connect with big ideas in science? Definitely through a human being. There's something about telling a story from a personal point of view, you know, with science that impacts people more than just telling the science. 
So that's what I realised. So attaching the two together meant that it was more digestible to the ear for some reason, and particularly people who don't have an existing relationship with science, who are the people I really want to reach out to. Let's flip that on its head and talk about the people who do have an existing relationship with science, the scientists. So how can theatre techniques help them to tell their stories to wider and different audiences? So I, I work in this now, it's great. I, I set up a communications academy with UCD, Alex Boyd at UCD and Simon Elliott at the Tyndall Institute. And um, I've been, I, I had been doing this for a couple of years anyway and um, found that using improvisation and theatre skills gets the scientists out of their heads because most of the times we've been presenting before have been at conferences and you're talking to your peers and you're terrified that somebody is going to stand up and disregard your results or tell you, have you not read the paper of Stefano et al, 1944? And you go, <gasps> and you hadn't. And then you feel like your whole credibility is just gone in that moment. You're this, this public shame. And I understand that and I get that and that is very important. But if you're trying to speak to the public and you have an obligation to um, engage them and, and share your own research, they can't hear that information. It doesn't make sense to them. So by using improvisation and theatre skills, we give them permission to play, we give them permission to fail, and we give them permission to not get into the detail and try and tell their science as if it's a story. And that's where I think it is really, really valuable. So it's play, permission to fail, and yes and is a big part of it as well. So that's one of the things in improvisation that is like a, it's a fundamental law. So, you know, for instance, being in the conference and somebody standing up and saying, do you know, you know, like Stefano et al., that's a no, that's a no in a room. An encouraging room is a room that goes, you know, that that might have a comment or some feedback to give, that they might go, your talk was very interesting. You might find that the work of Stefano et al. might actually reinforce your work. So it's the same thing flipped on its head. So it's it's all-encompassing, it's collaborative, and it's taking care of your community instead of you know, nailing each other to the post whenever you make a mistake. And why is it important that scientists overcome this fear and do communicate their work? Well, I mean, we want to engage society and culture to be scientifically literate. You know, that's what we want. If we want to have this this future that we all dream to be, technology is around us all the time. So we have an obligation to explain what we do to the general public. And there's a lot of general public who know nothing about science and we're in a bubble and we we have to tell them about what we do because otherwise how are they going to find it and we have to do it in a format that they can hear it and dense scientific language doesn't do it and uh, you've got to reach out you've got to get out of your comfort zone and you've got to get into the public and you've got to meet them wherever they are and tell them the story your story of your research in a way that's digestible to them So science communication is a vehicle for making science more porous, breaking down barriers between scientists and the the public that they serve, basically. But what do you think are the biggest, I suppose, risks coming down the line for science communication at the moment? Yeah, I mean, getting your, you know, somebody hearing your message incorrectly, somebody paraphrasing what you just said, um, you know, the whole fake news thing, um, you know, this whole kind of, you know, you, you only read the headline and then people just assume it's true to grab your attention. So if you're on the ground and you have a trusting relationship with the public, they can ask you, what do you think? And if you're if you're a trusted advisor for them in terms of what they understand to be science, you can dispel those fake news and those fake headlines. So I think even more so we have to reach out even further to people who have no relationship in science because they're reading those headlines and that's it. It's fact. That was a great yes and answer. <laughs> 
What do you think is the biggest opportunity coming down the line? Oh, I mean, it's 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 brilliant. I mean, we have we have now um, an awareness in Ireland about new techniques to communicate science. There are different platforms for people to engage. You've got things like Bright Club. There's more and more artists who are engaging with science, who want to work with scientists and find new ways of communicating. We're definitely bringing the arts more into science communication, which is fantastic because that reaches a whole other level on a completely different level of consciousness as well in an abstract way. And and that's that means that you can engage people where they don't necessarily have to understand the full thing, but they can go home and Google it and tweet it or or find out more about it. So there's this lovely multidisciplinary forms of education, I think, that are coming down the line. And science communication is is like a bridge, the first bridge between all of this new forms of education. So I think it's a really exciting time. And I think the more we mash up subjects and we find new ways of communicating them, I think the more we'll be able to share lovely beautiful research with the general public that they can actually hear and they're keen and eager to find out about dr neve shaw thanks a million for joining us have a great inspire fest thank you dr claire o'connell my name is jessamine fairfield i'm a physicist with nuig and the Quora medical device center and i also run bright club in ireland which is a research comedy variety night funded by science foundation ireland (laughs) jessamine you are just back from a really exciting trip in the arctic what was that about Yeah, so I went on a science art residency program in the Arctic aboard a sailing ship um, for about the last month. So it was basically a collection of different scientists and artists from all over the world coming together to explore the Arctic together. We all had our individual projects that we were trying to do, but also like building collaborations, thinking about the exploration history of that place, and also how it's uh, an environment that's being affected by our actions as a a race, even though there aren't that many people in the Arctic. And what, what came of that for you? What did you do there? What didn't we do? Um, we did a lot of things, some of which were planned, many of which were unplanned. Um, I was looking for a very clear glacial ice uh, to try to build a detector. There was someone else who was looking for pink algae that only grows on snow. We were looking for these um, rocks with fossils in them that are shaped like little butts uh, that are worms that could tell us whether these ancient worms have teeth or not. Um, We were recording things, we were taking photos. Uh, One woman who came was an aerial and circus performer, so she hung hung a frayed rope off the mast of the ship. We anchored the ship to a flow of ice at 80 degrees north, and then we all did like aerial tricks over the side of the ship on top of this little ice flow. And we were anchored there for about 24 hours, uh, and it was moving the whole time and you couldn't feel anything. And then we discovered that we had actually drifted several miles on this piece of ice. Oh my gosh. <laughs> okay, so butt worms, Cirque du Soleil. <laughs> this sounds like an amazing trip. Don't Jess. call them butt worms. <laughs> That's worse. <laughs> <laughs> it's especially bad when you consider that they might have teeth. <laughs> did you did you fail the detector, Jasmine? I did. Uh, I had some technical issues with it though, so I'm actually still going to keep working on it. It's a uh, detector to measure Trankoff radiation, which is basically light that comes off of particles that are moving at the speed of light coming into our atmosphere, but then when they pass into water or ice where the speed of light is slower, they have to shed some of that excess energy, and so they shed this very characteristic blue light, which I was unable to see so far, but might find in the future. Pause for cheers. Um, How are you guys doing? You have a nice time. 
I feel I don't need to ask you whether you enjoyed the talks. I can see from your faces that you did. Uh, my name, uh, as Anne mentioned, is Jessamyn Fairfield. I am a physicist and a comedian. So I, I'll let that sink in. <laughs> um, I lecture in physics at NUI Galway, uh, and they are a nice enough employer that um, they didn't mind that right before I started there, I also did a show in the Galway Fringe, which was titled Fuck This. Like, they actually sent the poster around to the entire School of Physics, and we're like, this is our new faculty member. <laughs> Thanks. So, uh, I am here to bring you a thing called Bright Club. Who here has been to a Bright Club before? Woo! Cheer! Don't raise your hands. Woo! Yeah. Who here has never been to a Bright Club before? Woo! Yeah. Okay, so, let me explain. The idea behind Bright Club is to bring academic research and stand-up comedy together. So I run Bright Club events across Ireland, there's regularly running nights in Dublin, Galway, Cork, all over the place. And at each one, we basically bring you a curated lineup of comedians, musicians, and then also academic researchers who could be from engineering, from physics, from chemistry, from psychology, from social science, from literature, you get it, all over the shop. We give them stand-up comedy training, a little, and then we bring them to you. And did you run Bright Club in the Arctic? So I, I didn't run a Bright Club event, although there was a basically Bright Club event that was already running, which is part of why I didn't do it. Um, but I did run a comedy training workshop for a bunch of people uh, near the very end and talked to them about like comedy as a tool for talking about your work because a lot of these you know, artists and scientists, like most people, when I was like, oh, did you know you can use humor to talk about their work? They're like, but my work's very serious. I'm like, everybody says that but it still can be useful. So we talked about it some at the end um, and I got them doing some exercises and using humor uh, and it was, it was really fun. It was nice to see how everyone's attitudes towards humor slowly softened and evolved over time the way that they often do when I run bright clubs here in Ireland. What kind of exercises did you do with them? I made them talk to each other, which was not that hard. Um, and basically, like, I had them talk about what they do, but using a lot of different perspectives. And I also told them some about the whole Bright Club format of, like, very short comedy sets, which you're familiar with, Claire, as you did it once. And I also talked to them some about, like, the, the performance part of humor um, and the, the confidence, the body language, the cues that you give an audience that tells them it's okay to laugh. Like, even just pausing for laughs makes people laugh more, which is hard to do when you're nervous, um, but super important. So we just kind of talked through a lot of that and, and people were very receptive to it, which I was delighted by. Thanks, Jessamyn Fairfield, so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. <laughs> <laughs> I feel I've broken your podcast now. <laughs> that was a lot of fun catching up with Dr. Neve Shaw, who is the artist in residence at Cork Institute of Technology Blackrock Castle Observatory and also Dr. Jessamine Fairfield, who's now in the School of Physics in NUI Galway. And if you get a chance to go to Bright Club, please do. It's a lot of fun. Make sure you listen back to any episodes that you've missed and please do give us a review if you can on iTunes. Spread the word about InspireFest, the podcast. In the next episode, we're going to meet Inma Martinez, who has some really interesting perspectives on the tech industry and privacy. And yeah, that was a really interesting conversation. So make sure you catch that in the next episode. 
I'm Claire O'Connell and I've been your host on InspireFest, the podcast. We're going to take a little break over the holiday period. Uh, we'll be back in early 2018 with lots more interesting speakers and interviews. So have a great holiday and we'll catch you in 2018. If you want to find out more about InspireFest, be sure to check out InspireFest.com. This episode was produced by Bureau. I've been Claire O'Connell. Thanks so much for joining us. Don't forget, folks, that InspireFest 2018 is on June the 21st and 22nd in the Borgosh Energy Theatre in Dublin. So do go along to InspireFest.com and check out the speakers, book your tickets and come along because you won't regret a minute of it. There are not only the super speakers on stage, but also wonderful people go to InspireFest and there's a lot of events and it's a huge amount of fun. So come along. My name is Ruth Freeman and I'm the Director of Strategy and Communications at Science Foundation Ireland. It's already been an amazing day and a half here at InspireFest. It's so aptly named because of all the amazing speakers here. So it's just been time well spent, I feel, enriched and invigorated.